Well, you, when you walk out of a film feeling like you've smoked a pack of cigarettes, stayed up all night, and smell like stale beer without ever having left your seat, you know, that film has transported you somewhere else. In the documentary Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, the brother team of Bill and Turner Ross capture those sensation and introduce you to a cast of characters. They join us now in the studio. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Good morning. So I was fascinated by the characters, but I want to get to them later. First, when I thought I was watching a bar outside of um, Las Vegas, then come to find out after reading kind of the, the press notes that this was all filmed in New Orleans. What happened? Where, you took us to, to Las Vegas, but we're really in New Orleans? Or the, where the, are we supposed to be? Yeah, the interiors were, were shot in, uh, in, in New Orleans, but... Um, yeah, there, there was also a lot of filming in Las Vegas. For us, this was the method by which we could arrive at the scenario that, that we wanted to share with people. Um, and, uh, yeah, so for us, I, I, there, is, there are wonderful nonfiction elements to this. There is realism in this. These people are giving of themselves in a really um, authentic and beautiful way. But we're also making movies. And... You know, for us, if this was in a fiction category, you would never, you, there would, the question would never arise, you know, did you shoot this in Studio City or, uh, <laughs> or, or out in the real world? And, and Vegas for us was uh, the framing device, is the, is the place in which we wanted the bar to exist. But the, the space that we could inhabit that was conducive to this and was available to us was in New Orleans. So. Uh, yeah, we don't shy away from it, but it is an interesting conversation because, it, you know, certainly we're here in the in the doc competition. Yeah. So, and then talk to me just so before we get to the specific characters. Um, apparently, these characters didn't know each other. That you actually did some casting to bring them into the the bar. Yeah, some did, some didn't. Um, we <clears throat> you set out to sort of find these archetypes, and you know, if we've found somebody would be like well who's your drinking buddy bring them along so there was some familiarity but um for the most part yeah folks didn't know know each other going into it yeah um so let's talk by a couple because i have thought about these two guys for a while uh -huh. uh, since seeing the film i mean uh michael of course he's yeah. the one that we see in the picture kind of passed out on the bar and then bruce um michael i mean we, we find out that he's actually much younger than I think we all think he is, but he's uh -huh. carrying around a stack of library books. I mean, tell me about this guy. He just, I, I, his great line in there, and I don't, I don't know if I want to spoil it or not. Go for but, it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but basically, I mean, he, he, he says that he um, is, he didn't, he didn't become an alcoholic until um, after he was already a, fa a failure. Right. Um, and it wasn't the alcoholism that, made him a failure right. um but what can you tell me a little bit more about him because i sure. just want to know what happened to him yeah. yes. is he okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my, michael is an actor i mean he's in the movie he's an actor yeah um I, I but found also him. in the movie he is an actor he he prepared for this in a way that the rest of the people did not you know he, he knows co coming in as an actor he says i'm going to prepare for this as a role and think about my place within all of this world so um yeah he's the anomaly in there and and is what makes some of those interactions very interesting because you know on one hand he he is thinking about this like an actor you're thinking about eugene o'neill he's got the book on the table but then he also is responding to this environment and these people that he's encountering most of which for the first time 
And as it plays out over time, you can watch him not only, you know, I mean, I can, can look into what he's doing and say, is he responding to this as an actor or as a person? Is he evolving this moment as an evolution of the thoughts that he's bringing to this or in a response to the matter at hand? And it's, it's complicated and interesting. You know, on the other hand, you have someone like Bruce, the veteran who is, is just absolutely present and available as himself and is completely raw and authentic. And what he chooses to share within that moment is what he is viscerally feeling, you know, as a, as a person uh, in, in the world. And, and those really beautiful moments where he talks about being a veteran and, and, and needing to find a family um, are, yeah, incredible. And that is the realism that, you know, I, I, that I think Sundance sees here and says, this is part of the canon of nonfiction. Yeah, and some of our references for this, like On the Bowery. On the Bowery won the Academy Award for Documentary in what, what was the 40s? The 50s. 50s. Mm -hmm. And that's a scripted film with a main actor. So this, you know, this kind of conversation isn't new. I think it's just about getting to the authenticity and the way that we look at um, elements of realism. I was just going to say that when I researched you in your previous projects, they use the word immersion, filmmaking, quite often. Mm -hmm. I mean, how would you define that, and what is so special about that? Well, yeah, <clears throat> the the approach we've taken when we first started out has evolved uh, up to this point. And, and in the beginning, it was a, a, a very true immersion where we weren't we weren't really playing with um, the boundaries like we are in this one. It was, you know, we spent a year in a small town in Ohio and, you know, got very involved with with the community there. Um, but, it, you know, the, the moments were authentic. and um, It's a language that we've been building over time and there are elements of each uh, within them. But I, I think a running theme is, is yeah, the the idea of creating a sense of being there, of defining a sense of place, and you know what is universal in something specific, what does community look like? And so you know, as our techniques evolve and change, those themes, I think, are still pervasive. Yeah, so a couple of challenges. One being, I think that um, you, you had mentioned on a Q&A that you did shoot for 18 hours, so you guys mm -hmm. were pretty much up, up all night yeah. Yeah. doing this. Yeah, so that's certainly one challenge. But yet, I mean, it wasn't, uh, the film was edited together, so it wasn't one, just one long take. Um, sure. Talk a little bit about the challenges of that. Uh, plus then, with the jukebox in the background, right. and then how you would then have to then, I don't know, you just took the sound out and put, put in your own music? or Combination of a lot of things. But um, because, there, because there was such a construction t in the setup and the shoot of it, um, you know, we're kind of doing the lying up front in this one uh, rather than on the back end. You know, like I'd say in like our first film, the lying comes in the editing uh, to construct what we need. And, and here we're... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out this how to how to say this, but well, but uh, it, it, it seemed like this could be a really straightforward edit because we had a linear idea of what we were doing. The bar yeah. opens, the bar closes, but it was so complex within that, and trying to get at the evolution of each individual character who represents an archetype, creating a sense of space, like your lead in. If we can get people to feel like they're walking out, 
like we from having spent the, the night there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. But then, how do you get to that? And then, yeah. you know, also just sort of some of these underlying um, themes and intentions, and and uh, yeah, it was really complex. Do you ever? I mean, I didn't see it. Obviously, you did. Was there? I mean, do you feel like there? there is an arc or needs to be an arc or is it really just more like a poem you know individual mm-hmm. feeling here feeling there not really an underlying theme tying it together or yeah. I think in some of our previous films it was um, a bit more like that but here yeah there are arcs throughout the film and mm-hmm. um, there's 22 people in the bar and, and the majority of them all have storylines throughout so yeah, some some more than others, and that yeah, the, the, that overriding narrative element, you know, the closing of the bar was something that allowed these people, most of whom have never prepared for a role, to give themselves an arc, give themselves um, a space in which to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then Ira, of course, I mean, he was smashed when we first meet him. I mean, did he really have to go to work? Uh, he, he needed so, to get out of the bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, and he he represents one aspect of of that that universe. Um, but yeah, he, he he just needed to go. I think. Yeah, and and did you? I mean, because it felt like you were just kind of eavesdropping on mm-hmm. all of these conversations. Did you engage the, them in terms of asking? You know, like a documentary. I mean, you would ask them a question and ask them to to talk about it, or was mm-hmm. it? Uh, rarely, but certainly we did. Um, you know, if, if certain topics went on for too long, we was like, all right, guys, maybe we could switch this up, uh, to, you know, something, (laughs) something else. But, um, no, we kind of wound it up and, and let it rip. Um, and they're responding to, to, to other cues as well. You know, what's coming from the television, what is happening in the world at this moment and, and how, you know, what conversations does that spark? What emotions does that, uh, provoke? Yeah, Jeopardy scene is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't know that after all. So, again, let's see. We've got, I think, uh, one more screening locally here. Um, yeah, there's one Friday, tomorrow, I think, at the library. At the and library. then Saturday at the Sundance Resort. Oh, okay. Um, and any any prospects for you guys for from this? I'm very curious. Yeah, it's, it's a very unique type of film but i but i hope that people are responding to it and and we're just very curious to see where it wants to go in the world okay well good luck to you thanks for spending some time with us talking about it thank Thank you you very much appreciate you tune in and find out about some of the unknown and talented independent filmmakers from around the world join us for the sundance reel each weekday morning between 9 and 10 we'll highlight some of the most intriguing films being presented at this year's sundance film festival that's the sundance reel weekday mornings from 9 to 10 through january 31st right here on kpcw or online kpcw.org the sundance reel is brought to you in part by sundance institute presenting the 2020 sundance film festival from january 23rd through february 2nd and acura proud 10-year sponsor of the festival and supporter of independent film and music learn more at acura.com